Good evening, friend, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined once again by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty fantastic. Went up to Chicago this weekend. Oh, yeah? To the uh, arcade? Uh, yeah. It was our uh, biannual, depends, or annual galloping <laughs> ghost trip. We uh, usually just a uh, friend of the show, Bill, and me, that, that'll go up there and spend time and regularly it's during the, the the winter time when it's ice bitter ice cold and that's a fun you know, time it gets to be dark in early yeah I mean, it's a weird thing because it is <laughs> ridiculously cold but the the upside of that is that it's 750 arcade games under one roof okay and it gets hot so mm. like when we went there today i i did not get to play as many, many arcade games as i wanted to play because you're just so darn hot in there. I had to get out, you know, and it made that 95 degree weather outside feel like a blessing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So going in the going in the winter is great because if it does still get a little warm here and there, but you can just step outside and be like, ah, oh, fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. And nice, cool air. But um, no, this year was this year was uh, we had a new thing, which I'm real excited about. Um, they have Galloping Ghost is evidently doing being pretty successful. Sure, and Des- they're opening despite their uh, in inadequate air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Uh, now they they have um, they're kind of in I don't know what you might call an old store uh, building storefront that that would have several buildings in one, or several stores in one building. Sure, and like a, like like a downtown district, shopping district kind of. Yeah, but but not really nice, like in an old rundown kind of type way. Yeah, yeah. and you wouldn't know that it was even there besides the one sign they've got. Uh, but they have slowly been buying up every uh, business that goes out when, the, when a business goes out of, out of, out of business there, uh, which happens in a lot of these kind of places. Yeah. They will just, they just buy it up. Right. And then, and then they will knock a hole in the wall and expand their, their arcade over that. So now they own that entire block. Yeah. I, don't, I think, of, I don't think that's that. uncommon in those kind of downtown areas. I mean, even in Bloomington, I remember talking to Aaron Lambert about how the owner of the Bluebird always wanted to expand into the spaces directly adjacent. And I've been to like New Orleans and uh, San Francisco. I noticed it more acutely in, in New Orleans where, you know, some some restaurant went through phases. Like you'd go from one room of the restaurant into another or the hotel the same way. There'd be like a step in the middle of a hallway and you're like, yeah. Oh, this is where these used to be two buildings. I mean, they were always connected physically, the way things are in a city. Right. But they were two separate buildings, and now they're one conjoined business. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, that's kind of that. This one is. I should I should actually send a message over to Doc Mac, the owner. It's over there sometime, and give him an invite to be on the show. Talk. It's, uh he seems like a. I mean, he's he's always on the, his Facebook page and all the stuff that he does. He seems he's a very active kind of person, you know, very active owner. He's always there every single time I've been. He's there, so it's not like one of these owners that just owns the business and then runs it, and manages it. He is an active participant in every active everything. Sure. Um, and he's, it. You can just tell from who, how he is and the, the arcade itself is that it's a passion job. It's something he's absolutely loves to do and would do on his own but now he can you know defray the cost of his hobby by doing it on his own mm-hmm. right doing it as a business mm-hmm. 
Um, so basically it's, it's not like, oh sure, you could just keep this business running and make the profit that you're making. But his is always like, yeah, but I like, I like buying new arcade games. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that. But, but he was limited. You get limited by space. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, that's was just his way to, to do it. And then they had for a long time. I know one of the buildings within there was, uh, they had, uh, they would use as their storage. Cause they're always, games are always breaking down and they wheel them over to the other side of the building and uh the different office area and that's where they had to work on them yeah yeah shop shop right right but but now since they own the whole darn thing uh it's just they took their shop out and it's a a whole arcade but i i take that back there's one exception just to their left there's one corner business and it's that chinese restaurant (laughs) it's a a little bitty like lunch counter restaurant chinese place um but anyway and they're just waiting for that restaurant to fail so they can i guess i guess but it's that's the one place that people go to get food all the time. Um, oh, right. But you're right, yes. So anyway, uh, they have been aggressively expanding, not just with their arcade, which I just explained, but they've got, they bought another building like three buildings away that they use for um, their repairs and shop, and it's called some uh, Calvin Ghost Reproductions. And then another another three houses down, they actually own a gym that's a, like a karate lesson type martial arts place. And it's Galloping Ghost Martial Arts. And then two blocks away, they opened up a new pinball arcade. Okay. And it's full of pinball, pinball machines. They got like 35 and they're, they're doing the same kind of thing. Just buy, keep buying and keep bu- building up. So they just two blocks away decided to open up basically their second arcade that is pinball themed. And right. Let right. me tell you, it's friggin' fun. I know the the fun. arcade in Chicago that I've been to was probably almost half pinball. Because of course that's the pin. that's the thing. Like you got all the physical parts and the pieces. It's like a it's a whole different category of of arcade oh, machines. Totally. It is, and and it's so expensive and pricey. And every one of those machines are damn near head handmade. They don't really mm-hmm. have mass. You know lines of factory lines to right. put these arcade machines on. especially today there's not for like 30 years has there been a really demand for pinball machines um so anyway yeah the, to get these when he buys them you know the parts are all like crazy so not only does he have to have these this shop and this factory of his own to re to make and replace parts he's got to find them and you know and then there's electrical stuff to it but uh but yeah it it's it's amazing and these are some of these Pinball machines in there are really old. Some of them are moderate, like in the 80s and 90s. And then some of them are like almost brand new, like within a year old. Um, and they are in immaculate condition. They work perfectly. Um, you can tell that every single person that works there, it's they take care of it like it's their own equipment. I, I was watching um, people in the pinball and in the arcade. They would walk around with like baby wipes and they were always just cleaning off the buttons and the controllers and just wiping down little corners to make sure it was almost everything was pristine, even though they put hundreds of people there throughout the day. Nice. Yeah. It's just such, that's the thing is that everything is just so well cared for. It's not like it looks older, run down. I mean, some of them, you can tell they're older, but they're just really taken care of. Um, but the pinball we played, we spent, we were there from 11 AM ish to 1 AM. And, uh, I'd say we spent four hours just playing one single pinball game. We played a, a game called Alien, which was both Alien and Aliens from the movies. Sure, sure. Um, 
it was it was a very modern game. Uh, it had like a, a digital display for the main, you know, thing you look up at, and it had movie like scenes from the movies would cut in between when you do stuff. Mm. And and the neat part about it, it had an in board display. Like when you're looking down at the board, the board had a huge section section in the middle that was also kind of replicating the thing up above, so your eyes never had to look up. You could be watching down and seeing all the scenes and stuff like that. Hmm, cool. Um, but it was super cool, super neat. I did some research on it today, and it looks like it was something. It was just like one of the most amazing games made in a long time. This company made only 150 of them. That's like the second game they've ever made, and then they went out of business halfway through making this one. So about 110 of these were terrible, not really good parts, <laughs> and only a few of them ever had a finished kind of like game board and stuff so the fact that they had this and we played it was pretty a miracle yeah um, yeah but the the thing about pinballs too is if you ever go anywhere like you were just talking all the parts that one pinball their game cost thirteen thousand dollars to buy most of them are in like five to ten thousand dollars right right um but that's why you chart when you even go like dave and busters or any other kind of place to play pinball it's a dollar mm-hmm. it's not a quarter it's not 50 cents it's a dollar a time uh, so we went in there and paid four hours on this game that clearly would cost us a dollar every time. You know, we spent hundreds of dollars, would have spent hundreds of dollars on this. Right. So going to a place like Galloping Ghost is fun. Went with We always go with several friends. This time we had like five of us go up there. I think you knew a couple of them, like Troy and Mike Cantunas. Yeah, and- I know you, you invited me to join you guys out there. I unfortunately yeah. um, had my, my sister's graduation party uh this past saturday and so i had to stay here i also ended up i also ended up getting sick so uh that would not have been uh uh it went off well uh there were there was a lot of family here my sister and brother-in-law uh got into town last weekend i said i think i mentioned that in the last show um because they were here like nine or ten days and uh wait wait i gotta do some math here you had mentioned that our buddy Andrew, your brother, mm-hmm. had mono and he was getting sick. Yeah. There's got to be a joke in there somewhere about kissing his girlfriend or something that, <laughs> while you're sick now. So, I don't know. Like he that. he and his buddies had <laughs> hung out a night or two before and they might have been like smoking cigars or something. I, I, I have no idea. He was he was mostly in quarantine for the last oh, week and a half. He, he came up, you know, during the the actual party and socialized and stuff. But uh, oh, good. his his symptoms are all different than everything I have. I've pretty much been, for the last four days, alternating between sore throat and sinus congestion and headache. Oh, man, it sounds like a fantastic summer. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. Ugh. Well, thankfully, I was I was good. I'm, I'm, I am beat down today pretty hard. I, I, I'll tell you the stupid thing is that when you're playing these arcade games for like 12, 13 hours, you don't realize like your muscles and your arms and forearms and hands are not made for that kind of stuff. You're not like 16 anymore. And my hands are all sore from just doing the same repetitive (laughs) motions all the time and barely moving my wrists. I'm at work trying to type doing work and it's just how painful the entire time and back hurting. That's what I get for old, getting old, but we do it anyway. It was a fun time. So yeah, that that was a great time. Good trip. Uh, if you're going, think about going to Chicago this time of year. It's pretty terrible with traffic. Uh, Bloomington, Indiana, is about four hours away, and it took us five and a half hours to get back because mm. of the traffic it was so bad. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a city. The traffic is always unpredictable. Yeah, 
And they were had like the whole like road highway closures and sure. It's the weirdest thing that they choose to do the most construction in the busiest times of the year. But it is what it is. I mean, they can't do it well, they they do try, but there's only so much they can do in the winter when there's not as much traffic. Right. I would think that the best construction time would be, you know, spring and fall, but you know. What do I know? I'm sure there's reasons. Yeah, all all of that is complicated. I know a lot of places they'll do it like in the middle of the night because they have no other. Oh, yeah. When when they were working on some repaving of some of our major highways here around Bloomington a couple of years ago, they were they would do it at night, and that just made all sorts of these huge bright lights that made it look like daytime. They were just hammering through pavement when it wasn't so hot. I thought that's a modern day answer to stuff, but all right. So hey. We got how many days is left till Gen Con? What's our count? We got something like oh, two man. and a half weeks, something like that. Why is it one, two? That's be the Monday. It is fifteen that's, days. That's two weeks. That's crazy. And that's that's until I'm sure that's a countdown until Thursday. So uh, we're even we're even less than that. Well, yeah, because it's the fifteenth. July has yeah. thirty one days. That's Tuesday. So that's and, uh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh man, I got to figure out those hard mode rules for Formula D still. Yeah, you got you got two weeks to do it in. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I'll just have to read them and watch a video. I'm not going to try and organize a tabletop simulator. Yeah, I mean, I I know that Pete has been recommending uh, us to, when we always have time to do extra stuff or we're considering doing other games. He's like, we can always work on Formula D, and somebody will support him. Be like, oh okay, I can do it. And then everybody else is like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do hard mode with, you know, I don't know. I, I've i said this a long time. Formula D, when you play with lots of people, is a whole different kind of game. And it, to me, it's very, 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 very frustrating because you get in the back of the pack. And I mean, it would be the same thing as actually real racing. You yeah. know, if you don't get yeah. pole position in the top five, it's so hard to actually move anywhere unless there's a major crash or. I could see that. But anyway, uh, I that's one of those games that you're going to be doing the. If I have time, I may go over and watch you guys do a bit of it and see, you know. Yeah, I mean, we'll be there for four hours, so. Right. And I think I do have a bit of a, a break in there somewhere to go hang out and watch you guys do some cool stuff. I mean, it's, it is it is Gen Con, so you kind of got it. That's why you got to do those big kind of things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, well, hey, did you uh, did you get a chance to see Spider-Man Far From Home? I did. I watched it a couple weeks ago, actually, and uh, I liked it yeah i know that's a stretch for me with superhero movies yeah you're you're normally pretty a pretty tough critic of the marvel cinematic universe so (laughs) yeah uh you know i'm generally a pretty liking guy of even mediocre stuff (laughs) right uh, right um i mean i I will say that I, i am not super as super hyped as other ones i will say that sure sure uh let's say this at the top as always, um, we're going to talk spoilers for MCU uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, most recent MCU film, Tom Holland. Yeah, so get out if you don't want to hear get it. Get out, yeah, come back. Uh, yeah, yeah di- I've probably said this before on the show, but did you know that this is his fifth MCU film? Yeah, that kind of blew my mind a little bit when I heard it, and then I counted and was like, oh yeah, well of course, but because only two yeah. of those were Spider-Man films, and they introduced right. him in civil war like a movie that was not even his by any stretch the two the two 
back to back with the end game and end game and infinity, and infinity war yeah and i mean every everybody basically in the entire mcu has a has a at a minimum of three at this point because you everyone was in the two infinity movies, <laughs> right and then their original or, origination one so minimum of three so five isn't really is that much. true across the board well, who who? Let's put it this okay, way. Well, now was now now that you said that, I'm instead of thinking about Spider Man, now I'm thinking about all the other. What about um, that random dude that was uh, Scarlet Witch's brother? Wait, what? What? All right, we're not talking about family members of side character. I'm talking about like named people. Yeah, he's Scarlet one of the brother. dudes that got the power of the Soul Stone or the oh, the Mind Stone. Okay, right. He was in one movie. I guess you're right. I'm not a comic okay, reader, okay. so. You know, I don't know what people are called. Well, okay. I guess unless they died, then sure. (laughs) But anyone who is... Okay, you're right. Anyone who is currently alive in the MCU as of Endgame have a minimum of three movies that they've been in the MCU. Mm, What about Captain Marvel? How about that? Uh, Oh, she was not in... She was in two. She was in two. I mean, you can't just make these sweeping statements. And you were very. That's okay. There's very few exceptions of the fifty people in there. Right, right, right. One or two did not have minimum. Okay. Anyway, um, (laughs) like, I I enjoy this iteration of Spider-Man so much more than I thought that I would when we first saw like photos of Tom Holland. We're like. Mm -hmm. Who is this kid? He's like 13. He's way too young to be. And he's not that young, but he is young. He's age appropriate. He's not a guy in his 20s playing a teenage. Well, now he sort of is, but uh, (laughs) he's still only like 22, I think. Right. Um, And he's been in five movies. So and he's been in five movies and they set him up in the most like casual, but still very clear way. Right. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. Nobody like they under the um, whoever's in charge, uh, um, Feige. Feige knows that everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Right. He's, the, he's, he's not the most popular character. He's not a before the movie. He's not a deep cut Marvel character like most of the rest of the MCU were before. Yeah. You know, nobody had ever heard of Ant-Man. Before, well, sure. comic readers had, but no normal No person, yeah. Um, right, yeah. But everybody knows Spider-Man. Like, we've already had two different cinematic versions of him from Fox. And, a, you know, even TV series back in the 60s and things like that. Right, I mean? right. Cartoons galore. Right. Up with. And so they just, you know, Tony goes and meets him. And he says, you know, hey, what's your deal? And he gives him... This simple, straightforward, he's like, when you can do the things that we do and something happens that you could have stopped and you don't, then it's kind of your fault. And you're like, yeah. oh, wow, you you just you took the great power, great responsibility and said it in a completely different way that was not even close the way that um, they did with uh, with Andrew Garfield. It was a little more forced um, right. and just and, and, you know, he, and just he's, here's he this character. It. He acted it so well, like the way he delivered that that important line, the way he did was really great. It was sincere and sad, but not enough. Like just a normal kid, and would it's do. Like, and it sets up his conflict, thing, right? Like really. he's a he's a kid, 
right? He, right? But he has this burden and he's, you know, stepped up into it in a heroic way. There, then there's something I want to say about that. Okay. I mean, what I like this thought. They have never, they've mentioned Uncle Ben. Maybe, I actually, I don't even know if they've actually mentioned Uncle Ben. I think, I know maybe they said something like, She's been through a lot in the last couple of years, especially with Uncle Ben. I think that might have been just the only kind of name dropped. There was a, I don't know if you noticed this, but when Peter leaves to go on the trip, he's got a suitcase, like an old school yeah. suitcase. And I was like, uh-huh. why does he have a suitcase instead of a thing like we have now, a roller bag, right? With a handle yeah. and wheels on it. And mm-hmm. they show close enough that you can see the initials are like, blp or what i forget what the middle initial is but it's like ben parker it's ben parker and i'm like uh i don't know if my sister heard because it was just she and i who saw it i don't know if she heard me but i was like oh it's uncle ben's suitcase that's nice that is cool i I did not notice that but that's neat um so what what i in that same thread like i said they don't really who is this person character who is a massively important person to peter parker's life and who he is and all this stuff it, it makes sense for whoever's making these movies to say, well, you have to do Uncle Ben. It's the it's the most pivotal part of this character's right. life. You know, I mean, people would say, you can't do a movie about X character without this. And everyone would have invariably said, can't do a Peter Parker movie without Uncle Ben. Um, but Marvel, since they own the property, can do whatever they want to right, with their right. character. And and define their character as whatever they which is interesting. They can define their character any way they want to define their character. Right. They don't have these like if you're if you're a third party company, say Universal or a Fox, and you make a deal with a uh, an IP, they don't have to make a deal and say, uh, you know, you have to hold true to the character. Therefore, you do this, and they've got rules for the character. Marvel can do whatever they want. Yeah. Um. So so they have taken an Uncle Ben kind of sort of a little bit out of the equation. And my favorite thing that I didn't realize until after Endgame was over and actually watching this movie that I realized that Tony Stark is Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. is the coolest, sneakiest thing that I never realized until I read. Oh, he is an uncle. What's their relationship? It's not a father son. No, it's definitely more of an uncle mm-hmm. relationship. Where he isn't his dad, but he scolds him for doing things and has a loving relationship. Obviously, when Peter's gone, it's the most important thing to Tony. And when he passes away, it's just, it's like a family member passes away. And this and this far from home is very much the what do I do after Uncle Ben has died? Right. You know, who am I now? Yeah, it's interesting. Like on the one hand they sort of abbreviated all of Peter Parker's origin story. But then on the other hand, they've really taken these five movies, well, two of his movies and three others that he's been in, though Tony is a major component in all four and Mm -hmm. and this one, all five. this one, all five. They've really taken all five of these in their kind of, I want to make this sort of blanket statement that Marvel takes its time. You know, this version of of Marvel, this MCU under Kevin Feige. With some things, they really take their time. And with other things, they they don't waste as they see it. You know, anybody who, you know, probably like 
I and my family were with Lord of the Rings, somebody who reads a lot of these comics probably looks at some of these films and some of the handling of these stories and goes, oh, you you skipped right through like this whole this was a whole thing like you could have spent a whole movie on this. And they just they just don't they keep they keep moving, but still take time to let to let the characters develop and build in this in this world in this um let's call it i mean it's it's very accurate that they call it the marvel cinematic universe because it's mm-hmm. fully distinct as i understand it yep. from from any version of the comics which is not yeah. new the comics reinvent themselves i mean as i understand it there are at least two basic versions of P- peter parker just based on whether or not the webs are biological or or technological sure well, the, the Marvel has had one of the neat things about the Marvel comic books as opposed to, say, the DC comic books. The DC comic books has has the multiverse thought, mm. but they but they will often they don't reference it as such. But the Marvel and, and they'll also upend their own and change their own you know rules all the time. Marvel has always maintained that there are multi, there's a multiverse and that that we're when they tell new stories or they do what ifs or else world type things they're right. always they they will always officially maintain that that is another universe. And that's what this is. And and there I'm sure there are some books out there that will chronicle all these actual numbers like the main Marvel universe is called the 616. They number them. It's the 616 universe. And uh so Marvel has officially said that this, yeah, the, the MCU is just a Marvel number, whatever it is. And I know they have a number for it. Um, it's a world. That's just it. Yeah. And I don't know if I've said this on the show. Probably people could piece this together from the amount of times we talk about this kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. something fairly unique in the MCU um, is that there's almost no secret identity story conflict drama tension now right except except for peter parker right they established from the very first iron man movie end of the movie i am iron man and you're like oh okay then like thor comes down and he's thor right banner still has his switching but he can control it so it's like he's banner he's hulk that's the whole like you know hulk is steve rogers is captain america Right, he is. he's Steve Rogers. Right? That's his. He, you know, he has his name and his title, just like a soldier or a or a noble, right? Has a right. title and a name. Um, well, you know, the only there was a little bit, but they completely off screened it. Which um, Natasha going public, mm. like when she was the Black Widow for the longest time, she definitely was secret agent. But in Winter Soldier, at the very end, she's releasing all of. Hydra slash Shield's dirtiness out onto the internet, and um, uh, what's the main bad guy? He he, who's played by uh, Robert Redford. He's like, are you sure you want all that out there in the world? Mm. Everyone to know who you are. They'll know who you are. And she just keeps says like, yes, I don't mind or something, and she keeps typing. So that that was like quickly, and they moved past it. But I, she did have a bit of a, you know, I'm secret. I but nothing. Like I contrast it with. Um, the the CW comic shows, uh, Flash and Arrow, or oh, yeah. they're always super hiding. Or it. um, the net the Netflix Daredevil show, mm-hmm. not as much Jessica Jones, and I didn't see any of the other Marvel Knights 
uh, Netflix series, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. I heard those were terrible, so I didn't bother. Um, Luke, Luke, Luke Cage is an Iron Man type thing where he's just like, this is me. Yeah, I got superpowers. Mm, right. Yeah. So there's, my name. there's some of that. But like in the CW shows especially, there's this constant drama about the secret identity and people not right. finding out and like interacting with their family and and all that stuff. And for whatever reason, in this in this MCU era or arc of films, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, let's not mess with that. Like, you're right that Natasha has some of it, but most of that is just because he's she's a spy, and it doesn't matter right. in the main story. It's yep, not so like much so that they just she fights over crime and then public. has to come home yeah. and be like, oh yeah, the traffic was crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there, and, there's and none honestly, of, the the way that, that they skip skip it is that none of these heroes have families, with the exception of Hawkeye, who they super do actually address with this whole like. I didn't know you had one. I didn't know you this. You had a secret. Basically, they don't say it, but they basically say you have a secret identity. Right. It's like it, like that's an Age of Ultron, where he never lets anyone know he has a family. You know, it's never a thing mm-hmm. because because of that. It's like that's the big thing with secret identities is that villains will use your loved ones. You're o- you. you're always trying to protect, uh, protect somebody. Which yeah. Yes. Which, by the way, is why. The huge thing everyone says about Far From Home is that you must see the last bit. Because when, as we said, spoilers here, he is outed to the public in the world. Right. And which that is, is the biggest thing. Which is very MCU. I mean, at the end of Homecoming, he's outed to Aunt May. And he's outed to uh, the Vulture. Right. Right. Which the Vulture, they did in the extra credit scenes... It's assured that the vulture isn't going to give him up. Right. Um, And. Okay. So let's talk about the, the, the twists and reveals and gotchas. Let's call them of this. Okay. I know you told me, I don't know if this was on the air, but you told me, I think it was that uh, Mysterio in the comics is known for his like illusions. And so that sort of, was in the back of my mind bugging me through the whole first act. Yeah, I was like, and I apologize I, for giving I, that away. I, I saw the guy, and I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, he's Jake Gyllenhaal. He's real. He's got a beard. He's, you know, he's a <laughs> guy, and he's thing, and, and, like, they're doing all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, well, if this is all fake, then why? Why would he do this? Why? What? What is his motivation for this? And then, like, what's the actor's motivation? They're here? fighting him, and the um, Ned and and the girl are are in the fa- the Ferris wheel, and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is this is way too early in the movie for this to all get resolved. It's like Endgame when they fly and you know chop Thanos' head off, and you're like, right? We're ten minutes into this movie. What the heck is going They're on? Diverting expectations right off the bat. Right. Um. And so I had a vague idea of what was coming with that. Um, it's very, and it seems clear that this is how Marvel is moving forward with this franchise is that, like you said, this is this universe. So yeah. um, Mysterio is this guy with illusions, but his illusions are created by Stark tech. Spider-Man yeah. is this kid with this, you know, who experiences this loss but the loss is Tony Stark. Right. Everything, I mean, this 
this end of phase three is very Tony Stark centric, but which makes me a little sad. Can I comment that? Like nobody says what happened to where's, why isn't Captain America painted all over everything or all the other heroes that were lost? I mean, there's no, there's no black widow paintings on the side of buildings. Remember mm. Black Widow? well, everybody else, yeah. because sort of, at least with black widow and you know, Cap gets to this point. Thinks Cap's dead, right? They clearly do. I don't know. I think because he time travels, I think it's kept secret. I mean, they don't explain that in America ever again. No, right. That's that's true. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I I was just. I, I know this was supposed to be. They did it narratively so that. Peter and Iron Man can have a thing, but I was a little bothered by the fact that Iron Man seems to be uh, in this story. They made Iron Man be the hero, the reason, the only thing that matters for the Avengers. Yeah, I I get that, but I think in this movie, it's confirmation bias for Peter Parker. Like he oh, feels the loss of Tony Stark, and so he sees it everywhere. Right, yeah. whether it's actually posters or whether he's just seeing the posters with tony on them yeah maybe he, yeah you're right he's just he just notices them more than any of the others how did you like the uh the opening sequence of this movie with, <laughs> the, uh, the tribute with whitney houston yeah that was <laughs> we were I like mean, we were like what's yeah. going on oh are they doing a stan lee thing since it was and okay. you know the other movies were done when no wait that doesn't make sense and like the quality of the tribute gets worse and worse. Right. So there's like, you could see the watermarked eye stock photo or whatever on the last. <laughs> this is so good. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, I see what's happening. That's hilarious. Yeah. They, they, they uh, well done to the director. I mean, whoever that was, well done. Um, and actually, well done for that opening sequence. They do answer a lot of little things that we like kind of wanted to know. How, how did they, uh, what they called the blink? Is that what they're calling it? The blink? The, the blip? The blip? The blip. That's right. How did it, how did the blip work? I mean, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see a little bit more of these in other Marvel movies. Like, how did the what happened in the blip? Uh, and I know we're not supposed to think think of this too much, but like, what about those people in the plane? When the plane, the, they'll, men, they'll mention they'll mention that stuff when it's important to a story, or they can use it for a joke, like when they're on the plane. And she's yeah. like, "Oh, by the way, he blipped, so he's sixteen, not twenty-one. He can't drink." That was great. I loved the little blips there. And actually, another really blip joke I loved that they did was the, uh, hey, did I tell you about how my wife pretended that she blipped, but she actually just ran off? <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud in the yeah, theater with that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I liked how they did that opening sequence with it, like, explaining it, and they showed the marching band just appear back in, in the middle of things or when they disappeared, and uh, which made – Again, it makes this whole cinematic universe a thing. Um, right. Hey, can, can I ask you something? I, I've been listening to a couple uh, Geek Scholar movie news, uh, mm-hmm. good guys who did all that stuff, and they and they were listening to uh, talking about Endgame in one of their their episodes where they were just having that discussion. Sure. And and they mentioned that Endgame would not be something that you know will be go down because you need to watch everything before it. Do you feel that way with something like Far From Home where it doesn't have any real impact that you can't watch it the same way unless you watch all the ones, say, Spider-Man, five Spider-Man movies? I mean, I know that we've been saying that about Marvel films up until Infinity War that they obviously are better if you're familiar with 
some amount of the rest of the catalog, but they but can, to, right? but they can stand alone as their own film. Um, Ant-Man being a perfect example. Right. I think. Like far this, from home. Can you, can this you watch is another that one, not just watching Spider-Man homecoming, but can you yeah, watch that without watching? This is another one that, boy, I don't know. I think you could like, there are enough things, you know, uh, exposited or explained, right? Yep. You've got the, um, you've got the, you know, Nick Fury who's been gone or whatever. You know, we find that out at the end of the movie, but, um, you know, he has to have stuff explained to him. They're explaining things to Peter. He's explaining things to other people. Um, Mysterio is explaining everything to his crew. Like, you can follow all this and you can get it, but of course it's going to be really hard for you to appreciate what Peter's going through in the context of Tony without having seen at least infinity war and Endgame. See, see, that's, that's an important thing you just said right there. I, I was just thinking as you're talking like, you know, with other movies, I think it's a valid thing to say you should watch uh Rambo before you watch Rambo or first blood <laughs> before you watch Rambo, or you should right. watch uh Terminator two be- or one before you watch Terminator two. Uh, you know, there there are there's a few exceptions. I think you watch Aliens without watching Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's a valid thing to say. Well, dude, don't stop. Don't start watching at number three when there's three of them out, or you don't watch Return of the Jedi without watching the first two. That's a valid thing. But with MCU films, starting with uh, Infinity War, then going to Endgame, and then going to Homecoming, or sorry, Far From Home. Uh, I don't know if you can't just watch Spider-Man movies. I think you have to watch Infinity War to appreciate this movie. I mean, with this with this movie, obviously you're going to get the best, well, I think you could watch it on its own. Your you ideal... Could, you could have no, how, did, how did Iron Man die? What? what? When did that happen? I just watched... Right, in, right. In, in Homecoming, he was totally alive. Your Your ideal viewing experience, I think, is to see all five... Tom Holland movies, or at least from Homecoming, Infinity War, Endgame, and this movie. Though, you're going to be real confused at Infinity War War and Endgame. Same thing with Civil War. So, yeah. I mean, this is... And Endgame doesn't really have him in it until the very end. It sort of plays into uh, something you said. I don't know if, again, I don't remember if this was on the air, but um, about how Spider-Man really does better as a as a secondary character or as part of a crew like he does which worries me going forward he struggles to carry a movie on his own which if you think about it homecoming and now far from home while they are spider-man movies are really carrying a lot of weight and baggage from the mcu at large well right by the way i want to I want to correct what you said there. I, what I had said was that Spider-Man is a better individual than he is a, a group character, or, or sorry, a leader of a group. Mm-mm. Like he, he is, he is not the leader of the Avengers. No, uh, he's always on the Avengers, but he is just not a great leader of the Avengers. Um, and, and or any he, X-Men too. He's part of an X-Men. He was just never that. Just never works for that character. He's great by himself, but he's not. And I, and I think that some of the, the stuff that they're doing now is I'm a little worried. And maybe that's why when I rate Fire From Home as, say, I'd put 80%, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes is what I would put them. Um, 
which is not what everybody else thinks, but is because I worry. I worry that like, I don't feel that he should be the new Iron Man. I don't, you know, and they clearly are going with that. I, I don't, I don't think they are. Well, they, they even did the, like, he grabs his hand into the Iron Man virtual matrix thing and like, oh, you're and Happy's like nothing, I, you know, it's whatever. Uh, but it's clearly like, hey, you are moving into your role as the leader of the MCU. Which makes me nervous. Hmm. I guess I don't. Um, I didn't. I didn't get that from that. So I don't. Uh... Well, and then the end was like the big thing about Iron Man is that he was he was revealed to the world. I am Iron Man. It was the the big mm-hmm. huge stinger shocker. And this is the exact same thing as Iron Man did. A huge stinger shocker with Peter's reveal. Right. So it just feels like they're echoing, like trying to transition this into the thing, which is different because I thought they were going to do that with. Captain Marvel or Black Panther, which they may still do, but I don't see yeah. I I I liked Captain Marvel well enough. I don't I don't see her being the leader of the Avengers. I don't I just don't see it. Well, it, it, they could do what they did before with the it, it, Hey, let me ask you this. Who are if you had to pick 3 leaders for the Avengers, who would they be? Like as a council or as a top 3 like one of these 3? Top 3, you can't have the Avengers without these 3. You can't have the Avengers without these three. These three. If it were like, let's say, three Avengers members, if you had, if you did an Avengers movie, you must have these three characters. Okay. First, that come to mind off off the top of my head because, of course, Endgame are Falcon, Banner, and Scott Lang. So you wouldn't say that it's Captain America, Tony Stark, and Thor. Well. Tony Stark and Captain America are gone. No, I'm talking about like in the past. In the past. Okay. Well, then yeah. Um Yeah. That's that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, those think, 3. Yeah, and I what I'm kind of getting at is that I think they're grooming the next Avengers leaders to be Spider-Man, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel. Not Falcon. I don't know. I mean, they're going to do a, we don't know yet, right? Until we see the Winter Soldier and Falcon Netflix series, will we know where they're going with that character? Well, I mean, Cap gave him the shield, so it's... But that doesn't make him Steve Rogers, (laughs) Captain America. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, that's one of the important things about the Captain Captain America characters in the comic books is that Bucky is very different. Bucky Cap is very different than... Steve Rogers cap and Falcon Sam Wilson is totally different. That, so they're just different people. Mm. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's Feige. It's just conjecture. We'll see. But, hey, I know. Let, I know that uh, uh, my brother didn't didn't care much for uh, for Captain Marvel. And I uh, like our mm-hmm. our our counterparts at Geek Scholar Movie News fell into a little bit of the the. Uh, let's call it liberal perspective of, oh, you didn't like it just because of the strong female lead. And sure, later when I thought fair. back on it, I was like, oh, that was, that was really not fair of me to do. That's but not a fair, yeah. he, it, he, you know, he clarified, he's like, we, I don't care about that. He said it, but it didn't, it didn't seem like it did anything for the story because of course it came out right in between infinity war and Endgame, And you're like, right. what is all this? None of this has anything to do with anything. It's like when guardians came out and you're like, there's no connection at all to the rest of the the MCU, except right. now we have that connection at the end of this movie, uh, yeah. Far From Home, with the uh, scrolls. The scrolls. I, 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 I've done 
semi-recently in the last year, I think, I picked up a few Captain Marvel comics, and I've done a few back-issue reading comics. So okay. I, I've never will claim to be a Captain Marvel comic book knowledge base. Um, but, I, but I will say that I think, and please write in if I'm wrong or you think there's a better example here, that uh, Carol Danvers' personality in the last five-ish years has been... If you want to describe who she is, let's say uh, Peter Quill's jovial and piratey and jokey, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you would say that Carol Danvers is actually very not not great at telling jokes. She's um, uh, what's it called? Stubborn and headstrong okay. person. And, and if that's what just in the last like a couple months that in the comic books that I've read that spanned the last five years, I wonder if that's what they've done with Brie Larson is actually right. Like they're they're making that character Accurate be to the comics. who that is. Okay, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here sure, and say aren't aren't those words that you would use to describe Tony Stark especially in the first and second phase of the MCU? Uh, maybe. Maybe I, I I would say in um uh Age of Ultron, Ultron. and maybe in uh Endgame or Infinity War. Yes, I would agree with or Endgame at least. But yeah, it's obstinate and stubborn. But he has a very jokey lightheartedness about him, whereas yeah. Brie Larson doesn't. Captain Marvel doesn't. It's a little more, not brooding, but um, just just disconnected. Like, her character, and again, we've not seen very much of her character at all, so yeah. this is really right. just hot takes of first impressions. But she feels alien. Right, she does. Well, that fits, right? I guess, but right, of course. Even and I'm not, before then, in, in her Air Force past, she was still very alien. It's like, you know, it's a little bit like Drax, but Drax is funny. He's unintentionally funny, um, right? And Thor, kind of the same way, like the like the earlier serious version of Thor, right? Um, yeah, I, I think I think I, again, I would love to hear from some some listeners here who know Carol better. I, I watched, I, I watched, I read a, I think it was Captain Marvel number one when they did the relaunch I read mm -hmm. and, or it was an annual or something where she went home and she went to her actual like family. And I think that there is some like deep baggage in her past with her father, who I think mm. was not emotionally supportive, her brother who was an alcoholic that made this person have to be very, uh, on her own yeah. type thing and, and not in a, like Oh, I'm doing it because I'm awesome. Kind of like you are forced to be only your only supporting team type yeah. person. And and that and maybe that's who this Carol is too. We didn't really see her family past, but we just see her in the military. Maybe the reason she keeps standing up and being strong and stubborn headed is because that's the way she just has to her made her life. So in that vein, she would take over the Captain America role on the team. The very fish out of water. I'm not used to a team thing. This is not what I do. Mm -hmm. Type thing. Well, and you know the the thing that I've heard uh, people say, people question, like, what's the difference between? And I'm sure you've heard this. What's the difference between Captain Marvel and Captain America? Do you a know lot. this 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 bit that I'm I, quoting? I'm not, but uh, when when Captain America gets knocked down, he gets back up because it's the right thing to do. Oh, right. I know what you're talking about. Like, with the, you when know, I could do this all day thing. Yeah. When Captain Marvel gets knocked down, she gets back up because F you. 
Yes. And I'm like, okay, I can see the appeal in both of those perspectives. Mm. For me, personally, in a leader, I prefer the Captain America perspective. Oh, for sure. Obviously. I I wonder if maybe, well... I am certain we are overthinking all of this, but I wonder if <laughs> that's what we do. If right? in yeah. particular we're overthinking this notion of who is going to quote unquote lead the Avengers, because I think, and again, non comic reader, I think one of the defining characteristics of the Avengers, in contrast to like the Justice League, is that they're they don't get along. None of them really are fully on board. Like they will come on board if there's a big enough common enemy threat but yep. they're like sure. you know how many how many times in the course of these films are they like hey where's uh where's thor oh he couldn't the his bridge is broken or whatever and he's not well, they here do the or, captain marvel several times why you know, is captain marvel available she's busy hulk just disappears right for right. all of phase three or right. all of phase two it's, i forget where the phases line up but sure 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 he's gone for a while and then comes back and they have to explain everything to him and uh right. Well, you know, you know that's that's uh, interesting. So maybe I, it doesn't I, matter. Maybe maybe the interesting story is just the young Peter Parker who like he doesn't really want authority. All he has is this uh, you know, moral um um core inside of him that says I have to help as long as I can help. Like if there's something I can do to help, I need to do that. It's not he doesn't want to run a team or be in charge or have that responsibility on top of the responsibility he already has right marvel has her you know she's like i'm trying to take care of all this i don't i can't come down here and and deal you know you've got thor who left to go with the guardians and and do their stuff falcon is you know maybe he has the shield but he's not you know um he's not really comfortable with that mantle either and so it's just that's the story as it's always been you have these these characters who are, I mean, even at the end of this movie, even with um, Nick Fury, the guy who was the like, I'm going right. to step in and bring these people together because Earth needs its heroes. Right. You know, together. For, like, he's off on vacation. He's on vacation. He's like, right. screw this. I need a break. After after five years of being blipped. Right. Right. So so I, I bet you some... Uh, psychologists or storytellers writers who do a lot of stuff have a lot to say on these topics but i'm going to do something real quick i i'm thinking here i think that thor was very much a um popular he's like a popular kid on on his place on the team i guess was a popular kid who expects leadership from people because that's what his kind of like that's who he's always been and it's just kind of his right as a beautiful person mm-hmm. type person on the team uh, um, and then, uh, you have the Iron Man who is, um, a forced leader who, who just doesn't think he just realizes things that everybody should follow him because he's always making the right decisions because that's just who he is. He just makes right decisions. Well, he's the, he's the smart one. He knows the smart one, what correct, the best correct. way is because he's the, the right. genius. And then there's Captain America who is a natural born leader, but would probably not want that position or did not ask for that kind of a position. But just he's, does a, it because that's he's a servant leader. He's a soldier. But right. what a soldier does, it, you know, like a middling officer, like a captain. He's not mm-hmm. General America. He's exactly. Captain America. If a captain's major falls the captain steps up and takes charge in the midst of a battle and then, right. you know, 
sorts things out later. Right. But Tony, Tony also has a very much kind of this, a young ish thing to him. He throughout all of his movies and all of his story has a lot, his world and personality has a lot to do with his dad it has a lot to do with where he comes from the legacy that it leads and the, the weapon, the weapons company that he has. It has a lot to do with his dad. And that there are kind a surprising of a amount of dad stories in the MCU. <laughs> Yeah, well, yes, but also, with, but with Tony, it's a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, of course. And, and, I, and I think that, that that's a, a big part of his character is that he's very much, his attitude and his way he handles things is very much a, a kid-type thing uh, in that way. So transferring those kind of things over to the, to the future, I think that um, Spider-Man feels the role of the smart guy on the team, right? But also fits the jovial-type kid mm-hmm. i'm a kid in in this thing i don't really expect to be a leader but i'm super smart and will lead because that's the way i do so he kind of fits the the iron man but some cap stuff i don't want any of that stuff because i don't understand it i just want to do the right thing uh i think captain marvel fits the thor i'm super powerful and you just need to follow me because that's my birthright because i'm super powerful type role. right 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 and that's just who i am and you should follow me because Clearly, I can kill Thanos. It's that's why you do it. Um, and then you have the real, which I think is going to be the real leader of the MCU and the real leader of the Avengers is Black Panther. I think he's a natural king that sure. naturally leads, be, not because of force. He's not forcing things or feels that need to have to do it. It's just that he's put in the position that he has to do it. His like in the past, his father died. He doesn't know how to lead that way, and he's terrified of leading. But does it because it's the right thing to do, which is very Captain America-esque. And because the people need a leader. And the people need a leader. And that's what Cap does every time he steps onto any of the movies. When a combat happens, he just becomes that leader. And I think that uh, Black Panther will. What I want to see out of a Black Panther movie coming up is him being that. His Him, him um, not about, like, everything we've seen him in... Uh, like Infinity War and Endgame was like, oh, you just, uh, he's king. So yeah, except the fact that he's, he's King T'Challa and he owns these people. You know, he owns the, the Wakanda and all the people that right. therefore he comes with the thing. But he wasn't like that in the movies. They didn't transfer who he was over well to mm. Endgame and Infinity War. And I, and I want to know, I want to see after Black Panther, the movie, I want to see, you know, what are they going with him now? What what kind of person is he going to be in the future? I feel like all of his stuff has been prequels. You know, like mm. leading up to, to what's in the future. Yeah. Like even, even the, when he was in Winter Soldier was just him avenging his dad. Right. And then afterwards was like him trying to figure out, is he is he king? And at the end, now he's king. And that's it. That's it. And then from Infinity War and Endgame, yeah, okay, he's king. Right. Who is he now? Mm-hmm. Right. And And I'm... I'm looking forward to that. We have that next Black Panther movie, which I'm sure they're doing as fast as they can, <laughs> is uh, is they will do that. Okay, hey, we're getting a little off track here. I want to I ask one question before we leave the bigger MCU picture from you. Okay. Um, they're, they're still, oddly enough, being really tight-lipped on all of this, like what's the next, what's their next goal or what's their next movies? What do you think they're going with the next Avengers movie? Like what's what is it going to look like that's a really good question i mean i you know i'll i'll reference back to a conversation like a year or so ago i had with my niece who my oldest niece who is 13 14 um she's you know she asked me 
who I think the next big villain will be in Marvel. And of course, they watched those uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes or whatever cartoons, mm-hmm. right? So she knows more about Marvel characters than I do. Sure. Um, and I'm like, I don't right. know. And right. I, you know, she said something about Krill and the Skrulls and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, maybe that sounds familiar to me from Agents of Shield or uh, oh, the Cree, so, yeah, yeah, so, some some Marvel uh, mobile game, but I have no idea. I, I mean, um, I, I think I think that the the scroll secret invasion thing will be the next Infinity War, but but and and honestly, I don't know if Aven- who the next big bag in the bad in the Avengers is going to matter. I mean, sure, really, Ultron didn't matter. Uh, None of the who, villains really mattered at all until uh, until Thanos. Exactly. Right? It's like and, people and people make the did. joke that the the true villain in a Marvel story is the the hero's issues, his self doubt yes. or his exactly insecurity and I, or whatever. That's where I'm getting here. Is is it? It doesn't really matter who the next villain or what the next story is for the next Avengers movie. What I'm most interested in is like, what is the next one? Is it um, getting people like Peter together with a cosmic, you know, Mark Captain Marvel? Are there are, do we are we going to focus more on is Doctor Strange going to be a bigger part of a thing? Does Ant Man continue to be a major player here or not? Like I don't yeah. know what I mean. What I shapes up. I sort of assume that the first few movies are going to be more of these. You know, well, if if Far From Home is the end of Phase Three, mm-hmm. then starting Phase Four, it, I assume it will be more smaller scale, character driven. You know, let's spend a movie building up on who T'Challa is a little more. Let's I'd spend another see, movie building up who Carol Danvers is. Let's spend that, yes. another movie building up uh, who's left. Maybe they introduce new characters. Uh, yeah, um, they could. They could do more. I mean, Doctor Strange needs who he is next, right? Right. Doctor Strange. Or, you know, we show who... What Thor does with the Guardians? Oh, that that'll be a that'll be one of the things that that'll happen. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the phase. first one coming. Oh, I up, think it does. But, I absolutely think yeah. that. I matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not even called Guardians of the Galaxy. I bet you they call it as Guardians of the Galaxy. Is that what they called the actual comic? Uh, yes, there, arc? there was and still is a comic book called As Guardians of the Galaxy. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean. What a better like middle finger to Peter Quill than to <laughs> rename his own movie, you know, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's pretty. Cool. Uh, yeah, and and uh, I don't know. There's there's talks that potentially Adam Warlock could come into the picture. That's probably means nothing to you, and we won't spend time. I, I remember you guys it. mentioning him in conversations of Infinity War because I guess he's a major player in in Infinity yes, War. But of course, major player. The MCU version of Infinity War is mcu centric it very tightly involves scott lang and uh tony stark and bruce banner right Uh, okay so wrapping that partial part of this talk up i i would like to say my side is that i would love 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 that whatever happens in not just phase four but also phase four five and six that brings the Thanos level threat to the world again slowly over 10 years involves uh, the fantastic four and the X-Men. I really hope that it it does. I mean, there is so somebody finally 
does yes. the the X-Men or the Fantastic Four justice? Yeah, does Fantastic Four and Marvel can and does X-Men and does Carol Danvers and does Spider-Man and does Doctor Strange. And you know what I mean? That is such a large, wonderful, amazing catalog. They well, and they can the next 10 they can years bring exploring. Chris Evans back to play Human Torch. Oh, that would. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> be so great. They uh, be, so, because it's Marvel, you know that. I mean, obviously they're not going to do that. But if they course, did, they would, they would riff on it, right? They're like, oh, they'd say. Has something. anybody ever told you that you look just? <laughs> you look like right. And they're like, don't say. They'd never actually say it. It would just be hints for you. You would know it. Okay, the, so I, I, we we got off a little bit on there, things. but I, and I want, I want. I'm glad that we talked about all this. But I, I, can I bring it back to, to Spider Man and ask you some questions there? Uh, my comment on, on Spider-Man Far From Home is that I think it was 80%. I thought it was okay. It was fine. It spoiled a lot of stuff. But sure. uh, knowing that you didn't know who Mysterio was, and I, I feel bad that I kind of spoiled some of it for you. Eh. Uh, were you were you happy with the, how they did the like backstory of these people are involved in all the things were back in the other movies? Like they, You know what I'm talking about? They, these were disgruntled employees type thing. Was that interesting to you or surprising? I mean, it feels in keeping with the tone and the spirit of Endgame and Infinity War. It's like, okay, we spent 10 years making these movies that could stand alone. Now we've got this weight of history on it. You know, in Endgame, they go and they travel through all the things and they cut back in all the, the history of the, the shows. You know, that's what they did in Endgame. They're doing a little bit of that here. They're like, okay, this is this whole world. We're acknowledging it now. And... And this is, uh, you know, this whole thing. It right. It fit. You know, that was my question. Like, what's this guy's motivation? And I got it. And in one I, scene, they give it to you. I didn't. I didn't think of this while I was watching it. But afterward, like on the drive home or whatever, I was like, "Oh, I feel bad for all the people who thought that multiverse Spider Verse thing was <laughs> right. going to be real." And right. it's because it's the this version of the Mysterio character is a little bit meta. Yeah, even yeah. he might even be a lot meta. Right. <laughs> right. It's like he's like people want to hear something they can believe. And these days people will believe anything, which, which is very They're like, oh, that crazy people. guy from a parallel universe <laughs> come to his, his world was just his earth was destroyed what a ridiculous thing but they bought it we bought it because it was a trailer right right yeah. right yeah i i will say uh when we talked about the uncle ben parallel to, to iron man and different stuff uh into the spider verse had a great little thing that showed they had a sequence where every parallel spider person said uh, everyone has a thing in the universe that makes them Spider-Man and it's right. a tragic thing. And they all say, for me, it's my aunt or for me, it was my best friend who died from whatever. For me, it was whatever. And they flashed all the Peter Parkers of the, of the world of the, the mm -hmm. spider people of the world. And they had this tragic thing. So this is cool that we have our own non Ben Parker tragedy to make our MCU think Peter, yeah. you know what I mean? Who yep. he is? Uh, so so okay so staying on with for the far from home what did you um think about the um how they played the blip like so they they mentioned like several times that the what they say the flash was supposedly he acted like pretending he was 21 
and that there's a there's a, a bad guy i want to say who's who was 16 at the time or who's 11 at the time and now he's 16 in in high school um how do you think they handled that the whole blip with the world type thing i mean even at may runs a charity that's like for the displaced people of the blip or something yeah i mean it's it's tricky we people talked about that a lot after endgame because really you you know you set up you set up the thing if you're writing endgame and you're like okay we're gonna solve it with time travel but if we're gonna use time travel what stops them from going back before thanos and just preventing you know what stops them from going back and killing hitler the proverbial right, right. time paradox and you're like okay well we have to let's move the story forward five years and now thor is depressed and tony has a daughter with pepper right. and so so tony who is the genius who can make it work says we're not we're not changing anything else but we're going to go back do this thing then we can stop him and time will move forward from there and it's you're telling a story with time travel so things are never going to fully make sense logically. There's always going to be some kind of paradox. Right. Of course, the consequences for the writers of doing that is that now you have to deal with that. Now you have to deal with the fact that your story is five years ahead of present day. And obviously the MCU is not our world, but it follows our world pretty closely. Yeah, Aside and from and the having a five-year jump is significant. It's significant. All the, right. You know, the, these all of these characters are in the future are going to have to deal with it. Ant-Man most markedly is going to have to deal with it. One, they have a t- different actor for his daughter. Right. <laughs> it sounds right. silly, but like, yeah, she's now a teenager who they can address. Is she going to be Ant-Man centric? Is this, you know, they do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be able to do, I I wonder if the rest of the movies are going to have to mention it or talk about it because if characters are the same age, then you have to just assume that they were blipped as well as everyone else. Well, and and Scott is this weird, unique case, right? Where he didn't get blipped, but still sort of missed the time because he was in the quantum realm. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, how does that affect his relationship with hope or, you know whoever um um hank's daughter hank pym is still alive yeah you know they 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 unfortunately unfortunately spider-man didn't deal as much with it as they could have and i know it has to do with you know actor age logistic type thing but i would have loved to have seen one of the main cast members of spider-man aged five years Mm. you know i mean they they kind of took a cheap way out and said that Flash Thompson, MJ, and Ned were Ned. all blipped, you know, like, and, and Aunt May, you know, they were all just conveniently, everyone on the main cast was blipped. Well, they so, could have, they could have blipped May and, or they could have left May and, uh, and Happy, did Happy? I don't know, they actually never mentioned what I happened. I don't know that they say, like, they're right. old enough that they could be the same. That five years right. could matter. They could oh, be five know, years as, older. As much as our, our Deadwood conversation talked about ten years, like five years is pretty significant too. But who but I, but I get you. Who has the beard? Is that happy? I don't know. Just happy's got like a mustache sometimes, sometimes a But they, they say it in Far From Home. He's like, It's my it's my blip beard. I grew yeah. it during the blip. 
That's funny. It might be happy. That's funny. I think that is happy. So that like they establish he didn't go. Like he's he he lived through it and That's funny. I didn't realize that. But that makes sense now what you're saying. He's blip beard. The uh yeah, so so Spider-Man, you know, kind of addresses it in a way they do and they mention it, but I would like to see other MCU movies go forward and like have other I'm, characters. I'm sure that like they will. Like ahead. they they established, I mean they share enough of it in this movie in the sense of what aspects of it affect Peter Parker. And that's another sure. argument for you really can't see this movie on its own. You're not going to understand. They show it all to you, but you're like, okay, what? What's happening? Yeah, yeah I mean, I know they try, but th- this can't be a standalone movie. It, it just it, it just can't. All right, the, um, let's we're running running long on time here, so let's talk right. about our weekly challenge. Man, you're making a weekly challenge out of Spider-Man. Fine, Dennis. <laughs> All right. Let's do our 2020 challenge. Here we go. All right. This week's challenge. Uh, we, had, we had a romantic movie this Yes. A, I wanted to call it a romantic comedy, but it's not a comedy. It's not a uh, comedy at all. The 1987 romantic drama Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Uh, I can't pronounce this director's name, but it's Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey. You've heard of it. Yes. It's funny. I mean, we, we you and I talk, have a conversation about this all the, all the time, about why this is on a bucket list. And you do a really good job of reminding me that, that, that this is not a top 100 list. This is a top bucket list. Like they say, but you, things you should watch. These are things not, you should see at least right. once right. in someone's so, view. So I... I, that knowing that statement, this clearly should never fall on the top 100 of any kind of movie list ever. But <laughs> bucket list, okay. I, I top 100 dance movies. Maybe. Yeah, it, it does a great job of dance. I get that. Actually, what I thought the 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 most I will say I want to start off with saying I enjoyed my time watching this movie again. I've seen it before and used to watch it a lot when I was a kid because my mom owned it on VHS when few things we owned. Um, but I enjoyed watching it again, just fine. But I think the thing that was the, the biggest thing about this movie is that you had two young, very attractive, stupidly like fit characters on the screen the whole time. That was the most important thing of this whole movie. Would you disagree? You're not wrong about that. No. I mean, Patrick Swayze was the most in shape person you could get. And Jennifer Grey <laughs> was gorgeous and yeah. a perfect specimen of somebody at the time. And they're mm-hmm. doing very seductive things the whole time in a very romantic way as well. Like they're in love for sure. It's a, it's pretty much the definition of a summer romance. <laughs> I think this movie takes place over a week, by the way. No, the, well, they're, they're at this camp all summer it's at least three weeks are you sure because i thought that they said that we have to perform this next saturday when she first comes oh no no right right the training montage from the time when they established that the other girl isn't going to be able to dance and so they're going to do the abortion yep but then they have that show it's it's like one week less than right it's I don't, it's somewhere around a week, plus or minus a couple days. And then when they go and perform in the other town Mm -hmm. and they see 
the old couple who are the thieves. Yeah. Uh, that's a week. And then the time after that, you know, when the she has to go get her dad because the the procedure goes wrong and all of that stuff. Like, oh, that's all right. outside of that one week. I think you're right. You're right. And, and they, they, they don't really reference it, but clearly they do talk about this being the end of the season show. Right. Right. The that's their that's one of their shows and then the end of season dance yeah is is the end of the movie. Right. So this you're right it just feels like they they spent most of the movie on 6 days time and then all of a sudden without really noticing it you skip lots of the summer. Cuz I was thinking as I was watching this I was like man this is only like a week and then like 3 days later they have the end of the summer thing and that's it. But you're right now that you're you, you mention it. There's some weird sort of compression stuff happening with the time. I think everything where they start sleeping together is mm-hmm. after that I training right. period. I think I think you're right, and it, and it happens longer than what because the know. training period is very. Uh, I I should have said this at the beginning, but this is a you know over thirty year old movie, right? Um, almost when things like that don't matter. Yeah. Um. The the whole training period, he's kind of mean to her, right? right I mean, sure. not mean, but like he's a harsh instructor, right? Right, trying to he, get her. He has the ins- he has the feeling of her that she's not a good person because she's rich, right? But he right. he's trying to, you know, train her in a very short period of time to fill in for a professional dancer, in as right. much as. I mean, they're being paid to dance, so they're technically professional dancers, but in the sense that this existed for people like him at this time. Which she does come through fast in six days' time, let me tell you. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, the story is ostensibly about these sort of socioeconomic differences. I know Mm -hmm. some of that was lost on me because it's, you know, I mean... (laughs) It's it's funny. This is at least the third movie we've seen in this list that was made in the eighties, but most of which takes place in the fifties or sixties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the others being Stand by Me and uh, Back to the Future. They were period places for the eighties, <laughs> right? Period pieces made in the eighties. So yeah. you know, every so often we're like, "Oh man, check out those nineteen sixty two stonewashed jeans or <laughs> side ponytail or." Uh, right. whatever, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of eighties hair. Yeah. It's not terrible, but you can catch it if you, if you know if what, you to know look what's for. happening here. Right. Um, but I, I did a little bit of research on this because, you know, they do things throughout this movie. And I, the, the word that came to my mind was, um, uh, wasp, waspy, waspish, whatever sure. word you use for White, that. Anglo-Saxon um, Protestant. Protestant, which, right. Um, is apparently not quite accurate because the the proprietors and patrons of this vacation resort were supposed to be mostly wealthy Jewish families. Yes. Um, which is just, you know, in terms of like wealth and and class system, we're not really that different. Um, from a wasp family, it's this a period of time in the early '60s, you know, post-war prosperity. 
in the U.S., right, post-World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, but before the um, advent of um, commercial flight. Okay. Uh, so wealthy families from New York City would go to the Catskill Mountains. Yes. In upstate New York and I mean, vacation, just like yeah. they would go to Coney Island or yes. anywhere else they could drive to. Once right. they got, once it became accessible for, not truly accessible, but accessible for wealthy families to, vac- you know, to fly to their vacation locations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'd go to Hawaii or right. Malibu or whatever. We see this, we see the same kind of thing in that, the, the, the show that's, I think, HBO maybe, or Amazon, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. She does the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. Same period where they go off to us. A summer vacation thing because it was only within drivable distance. Right. That whole culture really didn't exist before World War II. And then after World War II, you know, so many things changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you have this notion that Patrick Swayze's character is, you know, a poor working class guy from, yep. you know, some other borough. And they're. You know, they're separate. They don't, you know, we don't have official classes in the U.S., but Mm -hmm. we're still divided by wealth. Right. Especially in this in this era that this this movie is set, which Um, we still are today, just in a different way. It's but yeah, it's this was just talking about how it was then. It was clear and overt and people said it out loud. Right. um, Something that's, you know, I don't. I don't have too much to say about that. That's the that's the assumed sort of story, but the story is really about them being, you know, fairly unlikely uh, couple, but it all works out in a to an almost improbable degree. Where have, have, the, you, have you? Oh wait, it really is. the parent the parents at the end of the movie just roll with it. They're like, right. "Yeah, cool. I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, and everything's right. great." Well, that was that was actually uh, brought on because the mom made a stand, right? Like the the, the idea is that that um, he was still fighting it, like the society would fight it, and then the mom stepped up and said, "Sit down, whatever your name was." And yeah, and, that, and that's a pretty common. That's another pretty common thing in stories set in this era, where like the the patriarch of the family just rolls over everybody all the time, and mm-hmm. then in one you know moment of truth you know, the mom will step in and like put her hand on his arm or something. And like things work out for the protagonist. Right. Uh, I, I will say that I, I enjoyed the, I mean, this feels very much like our stand by me conversation with like, if you fit into a class of people, then this will work with you. But I think that I enjoyed the, 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 the father daughter relationship that they showed in this one, that it wasn't just a, a sycophantic type thing. It was very yeah. much, she stood up and he really did genuinely care for her and not in a tyrant st- sort of way he did, but it felt like it's, he was beholden to what he should do, but he didn't like there was the times scene. Where, like, she was crying and he kind of wanted to cry. And you're like the scene oh, that they okay. do right after she confesses that she spent the night with mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze as his alibi Um, you know, he's sitting out on the porch and she goes out and talks to him that that was a more genuine scene than I think usually usually these kind of interactions end up being just almost caricatures. 
Right. right. They're just shouting and yelling and the drama is very high. This was a little more subtle. Yeah. And I actually think that that scene you're talking about where in there he's looking out at the lake and being kind of stubborn is the best part about this whole movie. I like I like there was a lot I like to like about this movie, but that part was good. It was good at acting by uh, what was her name? Who played Davy? Um, Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey it was good acting on her part, and the the dad did a good was good in that scene with like you. He wants to be he he cares. He genuinely cares for her, but he's struggling with this like what it should be type thing. And that mm-hmm. was a, that was a good scene. That if you didn't have it in this movie, it would be very much just like a a rote normal kind of movie. This stuff, but that one helped it a lot. Um, yeah. So, so there's the, there's also the theme of abortion in here, which they don't actually say. No, it's all point. it's all subtle and implied. And there are some interesting. Um, I watched this with uh, a couple of my sisters, and I had I had never seen this. Um, oh, I was wondering, had you seen this before? When sure. when it came out, right? I was like six. What year mm-hmm. did I say? Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. So I was like six. Uh, definitely not allowed to watch it. Makes sense right? it wouldn't because be of all of the dirty dancing, of course. Um, and uh, my oldest sister, at or second oldest sister, asked a, a question. You know, she's like, "I wonder if young people watching this movie notice when the music changes from the oldies, the '60s and '70s music, to the '80s music, which <laughs> right. is um, oh, I'm not going to remember now which song it was." Is time of is time of your life? Is that an eighties music? I've had the time of my yeah, life. Yeah, that's a that's a new song they right. played at the very end. But there are at least two points early in the movie where um, um, Johnny and Baby are interacting, where you just hear a little bit of the piano part, and I'm yeah. like, oh, they're they're teasing that music that comes at the end. Because even though I've never seen this, I'm very familiar with the soundtrack. It was like. Yeah. It was like the Garden State soundtrack for the late 80s. Yeah, you you definitely know this soundtrack. You know on you it, know yeah. all these songs, you know, Baby My Sweet Baby and Oh yeah. Uh, um I want to know if you're going to be my girl. Uh all all of those. Like almost every song that came up, the even the the Patrick Swayze song, She's Like the Wind. I'm like, "Oh man, this is that." Like, oh yeah. Like, you know, th- just a this fool to believe. Wit- exactly you know. exactly i mean the the soundtrack for this one and i don't know how it didn't hit like that's the real conversation here like in the 80s that would have been the soundtrack to have because it had everything on it that fit yeah. perfectly and yeah the the sound the song choices obviously for a dance uh movie right were really well done perfectly put in the right spots when you needed to feel them um and you know i mean patrick stewart did a lot of movies, but I still think this is probably his his one. Pat, you know? Patrick Swayze. Pat, I said Stewart, right? Patrick <laughs> Swayze. You know, this is not Patrick Stewart's one. How, how about uh, how about Newman? Oh, I saw him as the comedian. That was funny, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's, that's great. He's very caricatured of himself. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, I did I did appreciate this movie watching it. I I I was really not eager to watch it because like, uh, but. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, the, yeah. I think it, it was elevated by the actress. I think that the main character of, of Baby was, was well done by Jennifer Grey. I mean, it's so well cast. Every, like, you see her sort of staring at him, 
And I, she's done acting since, but probably most well known for this role. And of oh, course sure. the sister in, uh, in Ferris Bueller, which is a different, completely different character. She's right. doing a like Aubrey Plaza kind of, yes. uh, disaffected punk character. Right. Of course, she's, this is, this is a period story. So she's, you know, right. trying to be a, a 60s well-behaved, uh, her name is Francis. Just right. uh, a, a, a trivia question might, that might get you somewhere is that uh, she was also in another Patrick Swayze movie called Crimson Dawn, or was mm. it Red Red Dawn or Red Dawn? I think is what it's called. Red and Dawn. Where, yeah, it was the one where they were like the the Soviet Union invades America and there are a bunch of kids off in the mountains, you know, doing guerrilla tactics. She was is a main that character. A, is that a Tom Clancy adaptation? It, it very well could have been. It sounds like that. And uh, Patrick Stewart was the main character, and she was one of the females in on in the troop. Um, Patrick Swayze. Do I say Patrick Stewart? Gosh. <laughs> I, now, now, every time I say that, I'm trying to think of Patrick just, Stewart in Red Dawn think, and Patrick Stewart in think of it Dirty Dancing. Time. Yeah. Like, imagine Patrick Stewart doing Dirty Dancing. That's great. Um, so, anyway, I've, yeah. I, I, uh, I've never seen him act that young. That <laughs> No. Even, even when he was 25, he still looked like the same guy that he is now. So, um, yeah. anyway. I don't know that I've seen anything he did before Star Trek, so. Did you I not watch like Excalibur like this when he was the undergrants in he looks, you know, exactly I probably same. was in a room where it was on, but maybe uh, yeah. I couldn't. Uh, it's I it's couldn't actually one of my top five movies. So but because of super, you know, King Arthur and all but he he's a major character, main character. He's Guinevere's dad and he's a major character in that movie. And he looks mm-hmm. exactly like he does now, like very little changes. Um. Anyway. Yeah, th- this movie was fun. You're right. Well cast, uh, good directing. Whoever was the director on this one, they 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 told the people, look at him at the right time, laugh when they do this thing. She acted really well. He acted really well. And as I start out this whole conversation, you've got two extremely attractive people mm-hmm. in very perfect kind of bodies that you want to look at the whole movie. You know, and then they're interacting. I shouldn't have been surprised simple. by this, but I did not expect how dance centric this story was. And I should have should have known that. When I was in high school, no, the first like first or second year I was in college, I volunteered with a nearby uh ballet school when they did the nutcracker. They needed cool. and I was I was doing theater stuff at the time and yeah. they needed bodies for the pre Scene, if you're familiar with the Nutcracker story, they do yep. like a, you know, parents' Christmas stuff before the actual Nutcracker stuff starts happening. Sure. Mm-hmm. And of course, this ballet school was almost all girls. And so mm-hmm. they needed boys to be dads, right, right. In, this, in this scene. But um, with that group of people, we watched like, oh, what was that movie called? I'm not going to think of it now, but it was a ballet movie. Okay. Um, Around like 2000, 2001. Okay. Center stage, I want to say. Okay. And I think it's that movie where you get all of this dance stuff. And I'm watching it with a bunch of dancers. And so they're like, oh, that girl's not, she's not dancing. That's a double. Like her, right. her arms aren't right and this and sure. this. But there's a scene in that movie where they do a lift. Okay. And the girl like reacts as if she's being tickled. Right. And so she sort of flails around and it just messes up the back of the male partner. 
in that move. And I thought of that when I was watching them. They're trying to do the, they're trying to do the lift because it's a big, it's a big <laughs> deal. Like big it's deal. that scene in this movie is so iconic that it gets parodied and repeated. You know, all the right. way down to Get Smart, where uh, uh, Steve Carell is dancing with that really heavy woman in that <laughs> right. scene she jumps and, and the thing. it's it's just you know iconic as a cultural phenomenon but of course in actual dancing it's a difficult technical you know dangerous maneuver right um but yeah there was all of that with him like in the steps and she's she's and trying the, to get the, the steps and they're and they're playing them and she's walking on that on that bridge thing in the first act that was a, a, uh, a interesting little montage like when she's doing the little dances on the bridge and stuff like it's part of that montage like she's she's doing it she gets a little better at it each time her wardrobe changes a little bit each time and and it felt it almost felt like a little character development montage like it's just her dancing and then maybe him every once in a while or somebody else on on the thing and like now your character is because you know training montages are the biggest thing but this was a little character development montage where she's getting into it and I mean, that's that's what a training montage is, is just accelerated character development. It's just usually in in some skill or some competency, which I guess this was. But it also felt like her. But it also is her her, maturing almost. Yeah. Maturing or coming out of her shell a little bit. Right. Because Um, up until that point, she was very nervous. And anytime when she went into that. Uh, the first time they were, they had the dirty dancing when she was in the ballroom or whatever it was, and they were all doing that dances. She was very not confident and not in herself. But this little montage did this like personal growth thing. And I think if I watched it again, I would see more of the transition because they don't sleep together during that training phase, no, right? It's right. not until after, like after they get back and they find out the procedure went wrong, and she gets her dad, and he. Um, Johnny really respects and admires her dad. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. different. Like usually in these kind of Romeo and Juliet stories, there's just 100% animosity between right. the the father and the young man. Right. Um, and so you have all that and then they sleep together and then the dynamic of the relationship changes right. um, where, you know, later they're dancing and she's, you know, sort of criticizing him because his, posture and his and his treatment of her has completely changed yeah right that that's that is something that really elevates this movie those little things that you just been mentioning here and there and peppering with your comments is this like this is different than what you'd usually see and this is different and they do this differently and it's important to the characters and what sets this movie apart than a normal everyday what this should have kind of been uh johnny Mm -hmm. being uh immediately a sex appeal character, which you watch movies in the eighties that they're just Arnold Schwarzenegger is an action hero. You're going to watch action. You know, you, you watch right. other sex, sex appeal movies. You're going to see that. And in this one, it, it, it turns it on the heel. Johnny is, and it starts off very simply when they say, Oh, that friend of his or his cousin or something. And says, uh, you'd think they were a couple. And she's like, they aren't. And he's like, no, they were, right. haven't been, they've been best friends since like high school or something. They like do that. Uh, thing. They do that dance where, um, uh, what's the other girl's name? Um, Penny. Yeah. She's standing behind baby, 
and showing her the moves. And the yep. song they're playing is Hungry Eyes. And I right. was like, I was like, who's got the Hungry Eyes right now? And like, oh. you, they show him, and then they show Jennifer Grey and uh, and the girl playing Penny, both looking. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's all three of them. <laughs> See, I, I didn't get that at all. Actually, I was my my real take on that when that happened was the oh, I'm really glad they put Penny on here because it made it feel like there is no competition. That was my, I took the I really felt the opposite way that like Penny is here in a very plutonic, normal, like friend way to help help here and had n- no care about Johnny. Yet she has hungry, hungry eyes for Johnny and Johnny has hungry eyes for her. And she's just there as an extra. That's how I yeah, felt. and and that's probably how it looks, and that's what I mean. All three of them, like they're both looking at him, but at that point, he's probably still only looking at Penny. I don't know if he, but the thing is, he's never really looking at Penny. I don't think he, that's the thing is, I don't think he ever is looking at Penny. I, 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 I as I watched this this last time, I, I never saw him do that. I saw him when they were dancing; they did the things they did, but then without. Oh, you a, mean you mean the other way around. Wait, you mean he's it? only looking at baby? Yeah, he's only looking at baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think at any point he's looking at Penny throughout the movie. But, which but he knows, he knows she's like the wind, and he's just a fool to believe. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 uh, I like that. Yeah. Final judgments. Uh, sure. Bucket list movie, a good movie, or movie you could pass on. I, I, I think it's a good movie. I, I don't think that you should. You have to watch this one. I, I don't know if it would fit on a. Uh, my 100 you have to watch this movie you know before you move on uh it's just it's just a good movie and that's and that's good and i and i want to say that i would have been a i came into this thinking that it would have been a just like a you can pass movie but yeah i think that in in general even a you know masculine guy that's too tough to watch is kind of guy <laughs> would appreciate like enjoying this movie enough i know that think? i've i've often with a lot of these movies, tried to figure out what bucket they go in, or that's weird because it's a bucket list, but like what right. genre it is. If you're gonna pick, right? right. If you're gonna pick one, uh, Spiel- maybe not Spielberg movie because we've seen like seven Spielberg movies. If you're gonna pick one, um, uh, Stephen King thriller, right? We've also seen at least two Stephen King stories, but. No, three. We've seen three so far. Um, If you're going to pick one Monty Python film, um, if you're going to pick one straight drama, romance drama, um, especially from this era, I don't know what other other romance stories are on this list. I'm sure there's at least one more. I mean, maybe maybe they do look when you look at, like, what does this fit? Does this fit into romance? Right. Maybe it does. Um, this definitely does. And so I think, yeah, it's worth seeing at least once. I think it's a really good date movie. I watched this with my family, so I'm not, you know, I didn't watch it on a date, but I think it's, it's really good as that kind of movie. If you've already seen Princess Bride, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's really good. It, um, you know, for all of its datedness right it's over 30 years old i made the observation when you first see the quote-unquote dirty dancers that they are still all heterosexual couples right even in these like edgy you know dancers with their spiky hair and their 
you know, very 80s aesthetic in Boundary. 1962. Right. Um, but, you know, the story is is compelling and a little complex. It's not super complex, but um, it's not as... It's maybe not as blunt and straightforward as a lot of newer uh, uh, rom- romances or uh, romantic comedies. Sure, um, sure. So, but so yeah. I mean, I call this a, I call this being... bucket list at the very least, and probably leaning toward uh, a good movie that's that's a repeat watch. Yeah, that's that's weird. I I would not have thought of it being a repeat, but as a guy who's watched this movie like sixty times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I can appreciate it too, especially if, if you're looking at like, what's a good romantic or date movie or to watch it with somebody else. That's, you know, it's not, it's not a, uh, you know, overtly, oh, I'm going to watch this movie because it's a romance movie on a date. I was thinking of uh, what other romances are on this poster. We already watched freaking notebook. Yeah, so oh, we did watch this. That's the pretty much. The <laughs> there are some movie. other romances on this list, but, uh, right. yeah. Well, anyway, that that was good. I agree with that. So, what's what's next week? What do we got? All what right, you guys ne- been next about? week, let's go back and watch the original Lion King. Yes, we got that coming out. The the, the the original the, live action happening, right? Let's call it photorealistic Lion King because oh, there yeah, are no right. real there are no live real action. lions. Like it's weird. <laughs> what do you call this? But it uh, is not live I've, action, right? I've heard some kind of middling reviews on this new one, but let's go back and watch the original so the story is fresh. So when we go to the theater and see the new one, we're like, oh, hey, this is exactly the same. Or maybe not. I don't know. I, I, will, I will say that going into this, before I see it, my thoughts on the trailers is that I, I'm disturbed that their vo- their lips don't match really well to what's move. the, the yeah. stuff. That being said, I've also got the positive that it seems to be shot for shot, which is a great movie that I really loved. So Right, right. That's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, we'll see. I I have some thoughts having not seen this, I have some thoughts and apprehensions uh related to the live action jungle book, but uh we'll see. Yeah. All right. All right. I think that's, I think we got it, man. It's good, good. We covered it all. I, everything that's out there today possible we covered already so we're good <laughs> <laughs> right on well you've been listening to the front porch this is episode 99 thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars movie news if you want film previews headlines in glorious podcast form check them out geekscholarsmovienews.com uh if you like star trek role-playing or star trek role-playing you can check out our other show klingons and dragons dot com it is a star trek adventures role-playing co- mm-hmm. podcast it's not safe for work yeah if you have questions, comments, feedback on the show, tell us what you think MCU Phase 4 is going to look like. You can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we got contact forms if you don't want to use direct email. Yep. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies that's always in flux. I need to move those Halloween movies down so we can just <laughs> get <laughs> back on a normal schedule. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks, as always, for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And Michael, hey guys, join us next week for our 100. Oh yeah, yeah, that's next week. We'll have to do something special. Or yeah. Alright, see you guys. See you next time.